Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, part three, in today's episode. Welcome back to part three of the Marvel Cinematic Universe retrospective with Meg. Me. Um, first, a little bit of housekeeping. This episode was recorded on, it's, it's currently Wednesday night, the 29th of, Dece- of January, as we're talking. We originally recorded this episode last... I think it was Friday. Friday. Yeah. And got through the whole thing. All two hours and about 10 minutes of it it was really good it was good and then the next morning i went to compile the audio into a mp3 so that i could upload it for patreon listeners and schedule it to be released as a scheduled date and audacity froze and the file was not saved and when i reopened audacity and i tried to recover the lost file it was completely silent and that that would have been or could have been enough to stop me from wanting to do this <laughs> and finish the entire thing. Almost. I don't know what we would have done if we'd had to record this entire thing again. That would be really depressing. Yes. Um, I think the first problem is that the program's name is Audacity. <laughs> How dare it. The Audacity. However, there was some good news, a silver lining, as it were, in that I was able to find six second clips of the latter hour and a half or so of the recording. So the bulk of it was salvaged. I painstakingly reconnected all of those files back together again in the proper order, I hope. Uh, So that's all still there. And we will eventually transition into that after you know however long it takes us to get back to wherever we were at that point so the parts that are missing are the entirety of ant-man which we are going to talk about first and then a small maybe 15 to 20 minute chunk of what we did talk about for captain america civil war which we will try to recover and remedy and then as smoothly as possible transition from this into what was and uh, we'll lift, We'll let you know when we get to that point and, and make it obvious that we're sw- slipping back into the Friday's part of the recording. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to try to touch on everything we talked about or come close, I guess. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. It's still disappointing. Yeah. Now I don't trust the program, so I'm watching it in the background of your computer <laughs> and seeing what it does. I know it's... I don't know what it's supposed to look like, so... That's what it's supposed to look like. But that's what it looked like last time. It is untrustworthy at best. Yeah. I guess this time I will save it and... I don't know. Make sure it doesn't freeze before I do anything else after we finish. Sure. Yeah. So, anyway. uh, Like I said, we left off at the end of part two with... uh, Just before the end of phase two with... Avengers Age of Ultron uh, and we're moving into the final film of phase two Ant-Man as you may have heard from the special intro that I used on this episode (laughs) 
Uh, I think I mentioned it. Did I mention it in the last part? You mentioned it in the original recording of this, but I don't know if you mentioned it. I don't know if we talked about it at the end of the last part or not. Maybe. Uh, if I haven't, uh, what you heard is a promo <laughs> that Paul Rudd and, why can't I ever think of his name, uh, Michael Douglas, did for Ant-Man. I might have been connected to like Kimmel or something, I don't remember. Suffice to say, it's as long that it, you just heard the entire audio recording uh, without any editing to it. And it's simply, visually, the two of them slapping, clapping and slapping their legs as they say, ants, ants, Ant-Man. And I think the, the video cuts back from them to just pictures of real ants as, as throughout the video as well. So, uh, it's very simple. It is very basic. Has absolutely nothing to do with the movie. And it is my favorite 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 uh not even close marvel trailer at least if not one of my favorite trailers of all time i don't know if i can describe how many times i have had ryan sing and act out this trailer for me it's so good i remember the first time you did it and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about well i don't think you'd seen any of the movies at that point no, no. And, but you were so excited about I this trailer and you sent it to me, and I'm like, what is this? Gold. It is gold. Sure. Cinematic sure. trailer gold. Sure. Yes. Whatever if, you say. If you've listened to previous episodes of the show in general, um, you probably are aware that I don't watch trailers. I avoid them. I avoid most spoilers or even the most basic information about movies as i possibly can because unlike most people i don't distinguish between movies as far as what i want to see uh i go see everything and this trailer i mean i watched trailers back when this came out i think back in 2015 right yeah i think i still watched trailers back then i think i stopped for I think I stopped after The Force Awakens, possibly. And this trailer is so good because it does not show you anything about the movie. I get hyped watching it. Like, <laughs> Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas are so excited for this movie. They cannot wait for you to see Ant-Man. I cannot wait to see Ant-Man when I watch this trailer. It makes me want to watch the movie again. And all trailers should be exactly like this even if it was paul rudd and michael douglas in every single one of them with them smash <laughs> with them smash cutting i don't know cats and then just cats 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 cat man jellical cats i don't no, know not no <laughs> you know like that that would be the best thing for a movie trailer in my mind no smash cutting to real cats you would love it I would like real cats. Yeah, see? I would like Paul Rudd. You're already one over. You're already one over. Cats, <laughs> Paul Rudd. They're excited about it. Now you're excited about it. You want to go see Cats. Now it makes $30 million opening weekend. <laughs> Did I not convince you? No. Not convinced? No. No. I saw this trailer and I was like, uh, what is happening? I did not share the hype. Well, that's a shame. It's quite a shame. I'm perfectly happy to watch a normal trailer. Fine. <laughs> Let's move on. Sorry to disappoint Fine. you. 
fine. So we're going to talk about Ant-Man. Tell me about Ant-Man. Um, I like Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, I think... I think in in the way we watched the movies, this still came out af- came after Age of Ultron. I think yeah. Sequentially, um, had you ever heard of the character of Ant Man prior to this movie? That was I was trying to remember if I had or not. I feel like maybe I did, but like not super familiar, like with like a Spider Man or mm-hmm. anything like that. But. Right. Believe I had heard of Ant-Man and then I think I heard they were making an Ant-Man movie and I'm like with Paul Rudd and I'm like these don't seem like they all belong together you don't buy Paul Rudd as a superhero no or, or like, maybe maybe you do now but yeah you wouldn't have you didn't buy Paul Rudd as a superhero probably not no and I think I was just like who cares about Ant-Man like what's he gonna do I mean, Apparently. sort he of. Did, he did some he stuff. He does quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, but you do like Paul Rudd otherwise. I do. Or you'd, you'd rather you had like, did like. I am fond of Paul Rudd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, He's on Friends. He's on Friends. Clueless. Classic. Yep. So good. He's just very, I enjoy his sense of humor. He's very, very kind of like deadpan. He's very dry. charismatic. Yes. Very likable. Very, um, he's one of those, one of the actors I think has good chemistry with anybody he's opposite yeah uh you know even if they have bad chemistry with him he's still good with them somehow yeah. uh, which is always a positive the man never ages i don't it's know what true. kind of magical skin voodoo he goes through some sort of korean 18 step skincare routine but i don't think just being ant-man makes you makes you not age well in the sequel he's like kid-sized that's true Maybe if he Ant-Mans himself at a very... Maybe, maybe if you can Ant-Man individual cells. <laughs> I feel like that would just make them smaller, not younger. Yeah, I don't know. It was a, it was a reach. Uh, so Ant-Man, played by Paul Rudd. Main character, Scott Lang. Um, contrary to pretty much all the movies we talked about, except for, I want to say, Guardians of the Galaxy... Um, everybody, all the other heroes are heroes. Like, they're either innately good people who have always been good, like a Captain America, like I would say a Thor has always been a good person, mm. helpful person, leader person. I would say leader person, maybe not good person. A little self absorbed. Thor is. Well, that doesn't mean he can't be good. No, it doesn't mean he can't be Remember, he wasn't worthy of the hammer for a while. He had to become worthy, because he was well. being kind of a dick. Um, They're all flawed a little bit, most of them. Iron Man isn't, I wouldn't say, a good person, but definitely fits in the leader, wants to help people category, especially after the events of Iron Man 1. Yes. And um, Hulk's... We won't talk about that. But... <laughs> Like Guardians of the Galaxy, and specifically like many, like the Guardians of the Galaxy in that movie, Paul Rudd slash Scott Lang is kind of a, I don't know, he's a thief, cat burglar, Mm -hmm. just got out of prison, wanted guy, in a sense. Not necessarily a, I wouldn't say he's a bad person. No. 
I would compare him to kind of a high school burnout sort of. Yeah. Little, probably a little on the lazy side. He seems very intelligent. Sure. He seems quite smart to be able to break into all this stuff. He's he's got street smarts. Yeah, but he doesn't really seem like. I don't know. Doesn't seem super motivated. Really likes his daughter a lot. Yeah. Seems like a nice person. Gets along well with his ex still. Yeah. Ex's new fiance. Not a huge fan. No. no. But, uh, Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. Policeman. But I would say Paul Rudd. Not a bad person, but he makes bad decisions. That is true. I would go there, maybe. Okay. Um, so, uh, the movie, in the movie, Paul Rudd gets out of prison, finally gets to see his daughter again, although I don't remember if they mentioned them like visiting him while he was in jail or how long he'd been in jail. Yeah. But uh, he wants to do good he wants to you know get a real job and wants to be able to support his daughter coming to see him more often and judy greer who plays his ex-wife and bobby cannavale who plays her new fiance are like yeah great you should do that but also stay away until you have kind of rebuilt yourself a little bit yeah and then there's ti T.I. Your favorite. I do enjoy the T.I. as a rapper. Yep. As a as an actor. Uh, yeah, he was fine. Yeah. He wasn't he wasn't super consequential consequential to what was going on. He was definitely not my man. <laughs> Lewis. No. My guy. Michael Pena. So good. Who I almost feel like we didn't mention his name when we originally recorded this. I feel like we only ever called him Lewis. Yeah, I don't know if you mentioned Michael Pena. As I don't remember. I don't remember not. saying Michael Pena's name. Yeah. Uh, Lewis is great. His rapid fire recap of a story is one of my favorite things. Yes. And then the last member of Paul Rudd's former crew is David Destmalchian, the uh, Russian yes. one, who is. Falls into the T.I. category. Yeah, he and T.I. probably could have just sort of been one person, really, for the purposes Mm -hmm. of henchmen. Yes. And so while Scott is trying to, you know, put his life back together, these guys are like, but wait, guys, we got this great score. Yada, 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 we can go get this thing and make lots of money. And he's like, no. (laughs) And eventually they convince him. And it turns out the thing that they're stealing is not actually a thing. Uh, I think they think it's going to be like, I don't know if it's money or gold or just something that's worth a lot of money, but it's at Michael Douglas's house. Yes. And whatever they think is supposed to be there is not there. And the only thing Scott finds is the Ant-Man suit. Yes. Bada bing, bada boom, he's Ant-Man. Ta-da! The end. Credits. <laughs> uh, yeah. So... One of the things that this movie does really well is all of the stuff when he's shrunk down. Yes. I think, like, that is... If you're going to sell me an Ant-Man movie, I need to believe that he's tiny when he's tiny. And when the camera is with him when he's tiny, I need to believe that everything else is giant. And the movie's really good at that with 
um, the open the first time he does it when he like goes down the the shower drain. <laughs> yes. And he like falls down into the like floors below, and then later when you know he's training with Evangeline Lilly, and when he's riding Antony all over the place. Antony. Antony. And when he's fighting against the villain of the movie, all of those moments I think work, mm-hmm. and the little. Train, the train set. Train set. The train set. Such a good moment. Whatever is happening there. That it's was great. really good. Yes. <laughs> um Yes. So So we mentioned a couple more characters in that that spiel. Evangeline Lily yes. as Hope Van Dyne, aka Michael Douglas's daughter. Yep. Who is So rewinding. <laughs> Uh, Michael Douglas owns the, I guess you would say, like, the like the blueprints for what makes Ant-Man's suit do what it does. Yes. It's the Pym particle, isn't yes. it? Yes. Or that's the... Hank Pym's Pym particle. Yeah. She is his daughter, and he retired. Mm-hmm. She is now a senior board member on his company, mm-hmm. former company. And our villain, Corey Stoll, as the Yellow Jacket is the I guess technically the CEO I think they just say he takes over the company yeah I think he, he was runs the, the company yeah. It, yeah and she's on the board so like they have this relationship of butting heads mostly aren't they dating kind of right uh, I don't think so no she I forgot about this she helped him take over the company mm-hmm when he did so they he didn't retire he was kind of just forced out michael yeah. douglas rather yeah because wasn't she was still mad about their mom was that it but does she also yes. know that cory stole is like kind of bad and is like not fully on board with that? i don't think she, i don't think she knew it until he got the position right i think that turned him more into what he becomes power which, hungry villain just like all the other villains that exist not exactly but similar he doesn't want to take over the world. He wants lots of money by selling all the little things that he makes. Yes. So that everybody can become a yellow jacket. Wouldn't that be great? Yes. No. No. It would be pretty bad. Yeah. It'd be terrifying. Because you know all the people that would like want to be yellow jacket are the exact people that should not yes. be allowed to have tiny making suits of superhero with lasers abilities. attached to the backs of them. Oh, Jesus. I can be a superhero. But wait, I can sneak into bank vaults now. <sighs> I would probably get it to shoot the like lasers and make the cats chase them. Just be like a little tiny laser shooting thing for the cats. But then I'd probably get like eaten by a cat. Well, you can put it on like you could get be big sized you when you use it. Well, that's going to look awkward if I'm just, like, me-sized in, like, oh, yellow jacket suit shooting lasers at the cats. So? That just makes me look like a crazy person. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? But... But if I'm little I mean, flying cats... around shooting lasers, they would be, like, pretty into it. But if the cats are focused on the lasers, they're not looking at you. Until they see me flying around, they think I'm a bug, and then they... I mean, when you're big. Well, yeah. They don't care if you look funny. They probably already think you look funny. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I guess I wouldn't want one. I feel like it's just like a 
You don't even want to drive, drive a car, I can't imagine. I don't, you want to fly no. around like a super I, suit. I mean, flying would be great, but also way too much, way too risky. The wrong press of the wrong button, and like, you take out half of the mall, <laughs> and it's just, now you gotta deal with that for the rest of your life. Well, maybe you can get, like, different versions. Like, you can get, like, a souped-up car. Maybe you can get, like, the basic model of the suit that just flies and doesn't have lasers. Well, at that point, we all fly now. Like, yeah. this cha- that changes everything. <laughs> like, so much is so much of the world would have to be completely adjusted to, to match that. It's We're going down a very deep and complicated rabbit hole. <laughs> You're the one who said, what if everybody had the suit? I am hypothesizing. I know, and we're, it's becoming more complicated than I think we can tackle in this episode. <laughs> the the ethics of wasp suits for the masses. Well, yeah. Yeah. Or yellow jacket suits. I, I mean, guess. if we're tiny and flying around, because presu- presuming we cannot do the flying around when we're a giant, then all of a sudden we are now a very different in a very different spot on the like prey predator hierarchy birds are going to eat a lot of people it's going to be (laughs) happening all the time you know like you just can't you can't avoid it owls bats can't go out at night can't it's just so many problems i could just oh if if, what if there's a huge gust of wind i could squash people with a fly swatter that i don't like of course this sounds like a genius idea don't i don't agree I do not agree. <laughs> think arachnophobia would spike, I bet. Spiders are now bigger than you. Ooh. That sounds awful. Icky. No but thanks. I would have my lasers. I could shoot them. You would have the advanced package. That is what I deserve. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't trust me with my laser suit? No. <laughs> I don't. I don't trust anybody with a laser suit. I wouldn't want Ant-Man to have a laser suit. I like that his suit doesn't have lasers. That's fine. Yeah. Does the Yellow Jacket suit even have lasers, or do we make that part up? No, it's got the, like, the four arms on the back of it that, like, do a laser thing. Okay. It's a real thing. Gotcha. It's like you haven't seen this movie. I haven't in a while. It hasn't been that long. Well, it's been since before Captain Marvel came out, which was... So it's about a year. Yeah. I can't remember shit we did last week. Like, I don't know. I don't know. We why. recorded this last week. Yeah, I know. I forgot half of what I said. That's I had to write true. it back down, like, immediately that's, as soon that's, as that's I knew true. that it was gone. Um, so, back on topic. Um, we have. So, more about Michael Douglas and Evangeline Lilly. Yes. They. He recruits, basically, uh, Scott Lang as the person he wants to wear the suit. He yes. is too old, mm-hmm. and he's sexist. But more accurately, well, he cares about his daughter and doesn't want her to get hurt. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say he's <laughs> sexist. I'm I'm paraphrasing. Yes, you're projecting, I think. <laughs> I I still have a problem with it. Yes. But I understand, like, his wife disappeared into the abyss. He doesn't really want his daughter to disappear into the abyss, too. I think he acknowledges that she would probably be better for the job. Yeah, but maybe. But he's totally fine if Scott gets hurt. Well, that's... Why kind of what happened. Scott. That's why he picked him. He basically set him up 
to see if he could break into his house and steal this thing, mm-hmm. knowing he was a criminal, and just kind of, you know, kind of being like, well, if this guy gets lost in the abyss, meh, that's fine. Yeah, but he has a daughter that he loves. Well, he, he has didn't a family. Know that beforehand. He, I guarantee, and maybe he, knew he didn't it. care. He absolutely. That's my point, though. He does not care. That doesn't make him sexist. That just makes him kind oh, of. Oh, I'm rude. not saying I'm. I'm past that point. I'm saying. <laughs> Have you moved forward from that? <laughs> I'm moving into a different point now, in that his, it's just it's frustrating to me, and like this is bigger than Ant Man, but in a lot of ways, but it's frustrating when characters in a movie or in anywhere. Or even on like a commercial where it's like they they specifically pinpoint someone's feelings in relation to a daughter or a sibling or a spouse or a parent as if obviously you like have a a greater attachment. Obviously he cares. he, He loves his daughter far more than he loves Scott. Inarguable. Yes. But just like the fact that it seems like I, I, I get that he would care more about her living than he would care about Scott living in absolute terms. Mm-hmm. But the movie, in my opinion, makes the gulf between those two people way too wide for a person who could, you know, in theory, like wants to help people out, cares about the well being of the human race. Yes. And yet he's like, oh, Scott Lang, psh, expendable. It's a little bit like the argument of when, um, like, a sexual assault or a rape or something happens yes. to a woman. Right. And some other person speaks out like, well, I have daughters, so I'm not okay with it. Right. Which I understand. However, you should not, <laughs> you should care about it because it's shitty and no one should do it. Right. Regardless of your daughters or spouses or sisters like Mm -hmm. it's a shitty thing to do it is bad and that is the reasoning right so yes it's along that vein obviously not the same as sexual assault but yes um kind of the same argument yes yes i care about this person so i care about this in general Mm -hmm. whereas you should probably kind of care about it in general a little bit anyway yeah yeah um so just want to make Officially, I really wish Hope had been the Ant-Man. Yes. Just think so. However, we get Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd's a great Ant-Man. Won't deny it. He is a good Ant-Man, yes. Uh, she gets to train him. Evangeline Lilly trains Be- him. Begrudgingly. I don't know yeah. if gets Does... to train him <laughs> is the best way to put it. Has to train him. Um, although, I guess she could have like refused to. Yeah. Under the guise of, when you fail, I get to take your spot. Sort of a right. thing. But, but Paul Rudd is just so charming. And she's a good person. Very snarky and mean, but a yes. good person. It's me. It's you. It's me. And <laughs> eventually he kind of figures it out. Yes. With her, her assistance. He learns her how to... Her begrudging assistance. Learns how to use the suit. Learns how to talk to the ants. Learns how to control them with his mind, of course. Learns how to throw a punch yeah. to a degree. You know... He's, uh... Learns how to fly. Antony. Yes. Antony. You know, he, he becomes a very capable hero in his own right. Yes. 
capable enough to fight the Falcon. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. The Falcon. One so, of the best scenes of the movie. It's true. We haven't... You know, we're going to get into C- Civil War where it's just completely utter chaos of all the characters we know. But this is the first time we've really seen two characters across franchises interact in a meaningful way outside of, like, end credit scenes. Yes. It's a kind of a small... Most of the times the other characters are in the movie because they're in the movie and they're a fairly right. central character to what's going on. Whereas this was almost sort of like Ant-Man kind of appearing in the Avengers universe briefly before sort of going back and doing his own thing. Right. And the Falcon happened to be there when yeah. he showed up. Which, you know, well, it, it creates a great fight scene <laughs> yes. uh, between the two of them out on the, the shield facility, the new shield facility after Ultron. And you get, it, it really shows, like, obviously Falcon's not the strongest Avenger. Probably not even, probably one of the weaker Avengers. I would probably pick Black Widow in a fight over him, despite all of his technological upgrades. Yeah. But. He's one of the Avengers that's basically just a regular person in yeah. a special suit. Military yeah. training, but still just yeah. a person in a suit. And so, you know, I think you expect, I think you go into this fight expecting Ant-Man to win. One, because it's his movie. Two, <laughs> because he has, he's Ant-Man. Like, he can... He's more than a guy in a suit. He's in a suit that can shrink and fly. He can control ants. He's got all these other additional peripheral powers. I mean, only for those reasons. Like, if it was just, like, Ant-Man in a suit that didn't have all these magical powers versus Falcon in his suit, which kind of just flies. I don't know what else it does. It's got the I wings. I would probably pick Anthony Mackie to win the fight. Yeah. Like his, he even he has at least like, has like military training. He has like the goggles that allow him to like find Ant Man in the grass, which was nice, like to yeah. give him that side of the advantage. Uh, but at the end of the day, Paul Rudd is victorious, yes. and Anthony Mackie is like, we're never going to talk about this again. <laughs> <laughs> this didn't happen. Yes, basically, which is fun. Yeah, it's a but good the moment. fight, it's a good fight scene because it's basically. Mm-hmm falcon flailing around yes there's at one point where there's security camera footage from inside the facility where it just yeah it looks like anthony mackie's just like <laughs> flailing and flinging himself around and falling down and it's good it's good yeah shenanigans to me mm-hmm. agreed um but i do think i think the i like that moment for the anthony mackie side of it for for giving us the crossover element but I do feel like the fights he has with Yellow Jacket are more exciting. Um, they He gets to fight somebody else who can shrink down to his level. And they both kind of go in and out of being big and small at various points in the, throughout their fight. They fight inside the briefcase, which is so <laughs> cool to me. They fight on the train set. The train, yes. of course, is amazing. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I it... For so for characters who are given who are so diminutive in stature at most of the fight, it really is a very like I don't know, the fight feels so big. It's still like a very theatrical Yeah. Theatrical is a good good way to describe yeah. it. 
It's really, it's still exciting. I'm still energized. I'm still compelled to watch it and, you know, edge of my seat situation. Um, but, you know, the end of the day. Yeah. Um, Corey Stoll's the villain? Meh. Meh. I mean, he was fine, but he's sort of like the generic kind of Iron Man type of villain. It's like, I'm a bad guy who works at the business and I want power and money and yes I figured out this way to get it through these the scientific means or this thing and mm-hmm. so I'm gonna be bad yes not the most thrilling of bad dudes not really not 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 quite um, pretty generic bad dude thing yeah He's okay. I, I like Corey Stoll as an actor, but I think as the, as the character of Darren Cross slash Yellow ja- slash Yellow Jacket, he's a little little on the other underwhelming side. Yeah. So they can't. Every element of a movie cannot be a winner. No. Um. What else we have? I think that's mostly it. I feel like is there anything else we noticed? No. Um, um, Lewis. Not really. This um, this brings that da- brings together the phase two. Mm. Kind of an odd ending point. I don't know why. Maybe. Unlike uh, Far From Home at the end of phase three, which does show the ramifications of Endgame to a, to a degree, this doesn't really show me any ramifications no. of Age of Ultron. It introduces. Ant-Man. It doesn't really do much else besides that. Yeah. I mean, if they ended on Ultron, that probably wouldn't have been too many movies. That wouldn't have been a very big phase, but really, they could have probably just moved it up to Civil War and had that be the ending, since that's kind of a glorified Avengers movie to begin with. Yeah. It's a Captain America movie, quote-unquote, but... I mean, they could have the cast of the Avengers is all there. Yeah, they could have called it Avengers: Civil War and just not had Age of Ultron. That probably would have been better. Although, I don't know. Some of the characters we get in Age of Ultron are relevant, Um, but one of the characters. (laughs) I guess. I digress. Um, That's uh, I think that's about it, though, for Ant Man. You feel good about that? Yeah. I'm sure we forgot about stuff, but. Yeah. It's a uh, the um the dog-sized ant that we get at the end. Oh yeah. It's fun. <laughs> I like that. Kind of wandering across the yes. cross screen. Uh I want to mention um his daughter. Yeah. Liked her liked his daughter a lot. She's yeah. very spunky. I liked her. Mhm. I liked that Evangeline Lily was pretty independent and capable. She's a good mm-hmm. one good yes. female character Um, she trains the hero yep she's got a business relationship with the bad guy Mm -hmm. she's the daughter of the guy who made the suit yep and she's also dealing with the loss of her mother Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the convoluted relationship that that creates with her father yep big wig at the company yep she's basically very independent and capable in and of herself she doesn't really need any of these people that she's dealing with (laughs) (laughs) she wears a lot of hats throughout the movie Mm-hmm. puts on plays a lot of roles which yes. is great and um, I 
think even at the very end, I think one of the end post credit scenes of this movie is um, is her dad showing her the wasp suit, mm-hmm. which is great. Made me very happy. Yes. She's she's the wasp. <laughs> um, there's a couple of other like small cameos. Peggy Carter's in this movie in a flashback scene uh, where they de-age Michael Douglas back when he worked at the and they up-age Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter. We get to see John Slattery as Howard Stark when he's old. Um, that's about it. Um, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I guess that'll bring us to the end of Phase 2 and transition us into Captain America Civil War. Dun, dun, dun. So, as we mentioned, this being a re-record of things we did before, very easy to re-record an entire movie that we no longer have any audio files from. Yes. A little more difficult to re-record what we ha- <laughs> about a movie that we've got probably 75% of. Yes. Still intact. We're missing some of the stuff from the beginning, but we still have a fair chunk of the middle to end discussion of the movie. Right. So it was, we tried to f- compile the a list of bullet points of the things that we did talk about before that we know we talked about before the old audio will kick in. Um, but apologies in advance if we talk about something twice, because we also <laughs> didn't bother listening to the rest of what we had. No. Well, I mean, it's like an hour long, and we're both busy people. Are we? Aren't we? Are you? Yes. <laughs> so, um, I think we should just focus on the bullet points. So. Introductory discussion to the movie. Yeah, so we'll set up the movie. Captain America Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, which. A.K.A. The Avengers Part 3. There's always been <laughs> Civil War as a subtitle. Fine. I like it. I think it, uh, it describes what's going on in this movie. Captain America colon Civil War bothers me because it's like, I don't know. It's like if you made a movie for, I don't know. If, it's like if, if Germany made a movie or some other foreign country about the American Civil War, but they titled it the North, colon, Civil War. Yes. Right? Like, the movie from the title has picked a side. Which bothers me. I don't even know necessarily if it picked a side so much as, like... I don't even really feel like Captain America's the main, I guess, jumping off point of it. I feel like it's more of a... Iron Man decision, I guess. Uh, what do you mean? I guess Chris Evans, his character, Captain America, is kind of the opposite end of the idea spectrum of Tony Stark, of mm-hmm. what they should be doing. But mm-hmm. I feel like it kind of starts out from Tony. Tony's the one who kind of... I think he gets the first scene of the movie. Yeah, I think he's kind of the one who puts the whole idea in motion of whether or not the superheroes need to have someone basically a governing body to them to control what they're doing Mm -hmm. 
he's sort of the main protagonist, I guess, of that point. Whereas well, Chris Evans is kind of like, mm. well, counterpoint. Mm-hmm. Would it potentially be accurate to say that Tony Stark is an antagonist in this movie, placing Captain America as our protagonist? I guess it depends on your personal feelings on who is the correct... Who's in the right. Yeah, who's in the right of the movie, which is sort of the main point of the movie. It's a lot of gray area of what you think is a better idea. Fair. Fair. I agree. Fair. So the main point here, after the events of Age of Ultron, after the events of the Avengers, after the events that take place at the start of Civil War where Scarlet Witch contains an explosion, tries to get it out of harm's way, and fails, and ends up killing many people in the process. Everybody in the world is super pleased and thankful that they're not dead from, you know, Loki's invasion and whatnot. But... They've destroyed a lot of shit. There's a lot of collateral damage. Yeah. It's, you know... It's that whole... that, That... what the, the you know you can't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs you can't save the world without leveling a few cities i don't know that that's true yeah i don't think that's true yeah but when you're engaging with people at, who have the powers that captain america and iron man and thor and hulk especially have it's inevitable mm-hmm. it's it's bound to happen you can't avoid it and so this movie tries to implement ramifications. All right, I guess I say I would say it does implement ramifications. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not everybody's happy with it. Right. And that's how we end up with a civil war between Robert Downey Jr. on one side, who's mm-hmm. like, we do need oversight. People, we we can we need to be contained and controlled to an extent that we are not doing at least as much harm as good. And Captain America's like, well, no. If something bad is happening, we need to be able to go stop it, regardless of what some governing body wants us to do. Yeah. Because who's in charge of the governing body? Before we get to the governing body. Before we get to the governing (laughs) body. That part we did save. I want to complain some more. I know. (laughs) Um, There, it's... Uh, this this di- the um, these diametrically opposed ideas are coming from characters that you kind of are opposites to the ideas that they are. Yes, yeah. So that's kind of one of the interesting points to the movie, I guess, is you get Tony Stark, who is on the side of the having oversight and control and rules and logistics of what they should and should not be doing and how they should be doing it, which is not very Tony Stark-like, really. He kind of, he's like, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to party, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be Iron Man, I'm going to go do all my stuff. Though at the same time, he's also very, I'd say, guilt-ridden about a lot of the stuff that he has sort of unknowingly or knowingly but sort of tangentially been a part of between his products being used as weapons and him trying to do things to help people but still finding out every now and then that oh you know 
I killed these people's parents. I killed these people's family. I did mm-hmm. this and that. Yeah. Well, it wasn't exactly him. It was stuff that, you know, he made. Right. Or that he was involved in. And as we mentioned, Tony, he has lots of flaws, but he's a good person. He yes. wants to do the right thing and he wants to help people. Right. Even if he's a little. gets a little self absorbed sometimes. Goes off on a little bit of tangents, but. <laughs> down. Deep down, he kind of wants to do the right thing. And I think this sort of helps him. It gets a little bit of the responsibility of what's going on off of him and onto somebody else. Right. Whether with what they're doing, you know, there might still be some side side casualties, side issues. But he can also be like, okay, well, we were told to go do this and go handle it this way and go do this and go do that. He didn't choose to do it. So I think that helps his peace of mind. And I think that's a little bit of why he supports the idea of like, all right, we keep trying to help. We keep screwing up. Can't keep screwing up. So we need to have some sort of, I don't know, chain of command in place for what's Mm. happening. Yes. Whereas then you have Chris Evans, Captain Mm -hmm. America. Yes. Who was such a good guy, such a military man, such a America guy back in the day that he was like paraded around the country to drum up support for the war and all sorts of stuff. Very, very military, very government, very by the book. Did what he was told. Yes, he's a yes man. Mm -hmm. Who then he's like, no, I don't want somebody telling me what to do. Yeah. I... And I know what needs to be done. I can take care of it. We can all take care of it. If something needs to be taken care of, that's our job. That's what we do. Right. He doesn't want to have to get approval to go do the right thing, basically. He is of strong enough moral character and thinks that everybody else is that they're good. Yeah. It's just going to put a bunch of red tape in the way of them trying to go out and help people and do things. Mm-hmm. Though, again, you could argue for him, he doesn't really have that, any of that guilt on his conscience for anything, because really, he hasn't done anything bad. Yeah. He's a pretty stand-up dude. Yep. Uh, So, that, in and of itself, if that was all this movie was about, it's a lot. Yeah. It's very heady. Mm -hmm. It's very complex, especially for a superhero movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Not a lot of punching. No. Not a lot of action. Not not exactly. Uh, But there are a lot more threads going on. Uh, Least of all, not the least of which, is the introduction of two huge new characters to the Marvel franchise. Two of the best ones. In Tom Holland's Spider-Man and Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther. So, in the meantime, so in in the midst of all this scuffling going on between Tony and, and Steve, we have a meeting at the UN and our first introduction to Wakanda. Wakanda, yeah. We get uh, John Connie as the king of Wakanda meeting with the United Nations. I never, I feel like I'd never pay attention to anything he's saying right before he, he he's killed. I think I was so enthralled with Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm waiting for the explosion. And the fact that, like, I know he's Black Panther and he's there. Uh, yeah. And I'm, as soon as he appears on screen, I'm just, like, transfixed. And so, I don't remember exactly why 
Wakanda has chosen to like open themselves up to to the UN for any reason. I don't know if the UN has already, if they know about any of the stuff that Wakanda has there. I don't think so. By bringing or anything else, or if I think they were just being like, you know, we have these resources. I don't mean I'm not even sure if it was that. Yeah. Because I know it's not until the end of Black Panther where Chadwick like announces like we have things that we can use to help everybody. We would like to do that now. I know that was a bit of an argument, kind of. That's In the Black main Panther. argument, yeah. I guess, of Black Panther is whether they should keep to themselves or right go about into the world so i don't i i don't remember if that's kind of what was happening is they were gonna go out in the world and then i don't know the bad thing happens and then chadwick's like you know what we got our own shit to we're deal good with here first. um so yeah so they're coming to meet we get our chadwick Bo- chadwick boseman and in the midst of john connie giving a speech the un is attacked there's an explosion everybody's freaking out john connie dies chadwick is very very upset and we get a really good action scene in this as he, as Black Panther, pursues uh, the threat, which is, turns out to be my favorite character, <laughs> Sarcasm, the Winter Soldier. Sebastian Stan, my guy. So he resurfaces. Yes, he has reappeared. And um, the, the details are a little fuzzy, but at that point, he's the one who caused the bomb. He's the one who blew up the UN. He's the one who killed the king of, of Wakanda. And we get that really cool, like, chasing him on the motorcycle scene. Uh, and eventually they're all, like, in, like, a Mexican standoff type thing with the police and <laughs> Iron Man and uh, War Machine, I think, is there, too. Everybody's involved. Yes. And I feel like Black Widow was there. I don't know why I feel like she was maybe. there. Maybe. I don't know. Um, But I just... The Black Panther side of this movie is so fascinating. Um, And it's in stark contrast to the (laughs) Ant-Man element of this movie. So the inevitable moment in this movie where everyone fights each other at the airport happens probably what's this movie two and a half hours long maybe an hour and 15 a little over halfway into it yes they've kind of broken into factions over one the winter soldier Mm -hmm. and two about whether or not they need some sort of yeah avengers government protocol board right to decide what's happening and for chadwick boseman for black panther he's there he's on the side with iron man with War Machine with ultimately Spider-Man with um, Vision shows up for their side. They start out with Black Panther on their or uh, not Black uh, Black Widow on their side. side. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's one more. Pull up the poster. It has basically oh, everybody yeah, on it on their sides. That's right. Uh, Scarlet Witch. Nope. Nope. I'm looking on the wrong side. Uh, that's all. That's all the people they have. Everyone I named is on there. Uh, I'm sure there. I know there's one more person. Uh, Spider-Man. Who am I missing? Maybe I, maybe I named them all. You have Tony, you have Black Widow, you have War Machine, you have Vision. Vision and Black Panther. Black Panther, Spider-Man, yeah. I feel like there's one more. But, suffice to say, um, that's on one side, all of those people. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, you've got Captain America, you've got Falcon, you've got Scarlet Witch, you've got Winter Soldier, you've got Hawkeye, you end up with uh, Ant-Man. 
half of these people are like worldwide household names i got to imagine specifically mm-hmm. captain america and iron man yeah. if not more of them yeah pretty much all the original avengers that were there for the yeah other fights i'm right. sure they hulk's not there in this in this movie no. uh, thor's not there either and yet black panther who you know good fighter gr- you know his his suit is like super defensive he's got he's got all the skills but he's still just a guy in a suit mm-hmm. at the end of the day but he's there with all these guys and he just he's unfazed yeah it's like i could not care less about this guy or this guy or who i i want to kill the winter soldier it's all he cares about he has a very kind of heavy royal gravitas about yeah. him like he's very like i don't care about your little petty infighting this is not what i'm here for mm-hmm. sort of a means to an end i'm just gonna let you guys do do your thing see if i can snag winter soldier that's and, what i came uh, here for and stay out of my way yeah He's very, he's very above kind of everything that's going on. Yeah. He'll get involved because he kind of needs to, but right. otherwise he would not care at all about anything that is happening here. Well, and I think it's even, it's also interesting, especially once we can look back on this after having seen Black Panther, is like when we get to that movie, he's going to be king, right? Because he's the next one in line. Uh, you know, he has all these responsibilities about to be heaped on him and yet despite that he's off at an airport fighting with other people in suits and capes yes you know which is kind of an interesting direction i think yeah you know he he well at the same time i mean his dad just died he's right more concerned probably about that i agree but i think with the gravitas with the kind of air of royalty that he brings you know Obviously, this movie has way too much shit going on to cover every single possible base, but it does feel as though the movie sacrifices a little bit of his, like, I have responsibilities, I can still deal with this, but I also have to, you know, I also have other shit I have to deal with at the same time. I feel like it it, it ignores that side of it and leaves all that for Black Panther to pick up. Right. Um, When knowing who he is and knowing what his character is like he absolutely would still be caring about that stuff during these moments as well and right. we just don't get to see it i presume though i guess at the same time like how far apart is this fight happening from when his dad got blown up uh I've... not good days i guess yeah like i doubt he's gone home you know what i mean no probably not so because like, first and foremost i think he wants to get Winter Soldier and drag his ass back home with him. Yeah. Now, on the other side of that, (laughs) Ant-Man, who does not get as much of a preamble in this movie as Black Panther does because he got his own movie, he is just so stoked, (laughs) so excited, so, oh my freaking goodness, eyes rolling back in his head, you know, like, when we see him in the first scene, it looked like they chloroformed him and dragged him to this (laughs) airport. And yet, and like he stumbles awake and he's like, (gasps) could not care less about whatever nefarious means were required to get him to where he is. No. Like, didn't he say he had like Captain America like trading cards and like stuff like that? Like, he's just like, you're a famous person and you're a famous person and you're a famous person and am I a famous person? Oh my God. I am a famous person. I am a famous person now. Yes. 
he does that he he's geeks out yeah like he he plays the audience surrogate a little bit in those moments yeah one fun thing about ant-man is that i mean he is definitely like the least probably superhero-y person of mm-hmm. all the superheroes besides maybe tom holland who's in high school so i mean I, like yeah yeah arguably I, I see what you mean yes. yeah like he's he's a cat burglar kind of a lazy cat burglar <laughs> who just kind of does his, you know does whatever mm-hmm. and he's he's a superhero now yeah and he's very like holy shit whenever anything happens he's not you know he's sort of the oh my god this is so cool what is happening holy crap where's everybody else like oh this is a big problem he's like oh my god i'm standing next to captain america yeah like iron man's shooting i'm standing next to captain america <laughs> like he he's like get, he's like captain america's like do this thing and he's like <laughs> okay <laughs> which is funny you compared him to spider-man and like they're analogs. Like, Spider-Man is that person on the other side. Yeah. He steals Captain America's shield. And I think at one point he apologizes for it later in the fight against Captain America. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he apologizes for, like, hitting people. And, like, yeah. He's like, he's oh, like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. You know. I think he's trying to introduce himself to everybody. Because <laughs> yes. at one point, don't they, don't, uh, Captain America and Tom Holland, mm-hmm. aren't they, like, discuss where in New York Bronx. City they're from? Yeah. Yeah. Manhattan. Yeah. As he has, uh, Tom Holland is like holding up a piece of an air an airplane mm-hmm. that is about to crush him. Just having a chit chat. Yeah, just you know, nice, nice, <laughs> easy breezy. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Maybe we can work together in the future. <laughs> kind of a situation. But you just, it's just, it makes the moments fun. Yeah. And uh, it's it's nice. It, yeah. It, um. Positives and minuses that it lightens what could have been a heavier moment of all these heroes fighting each other. Yeah. And I don't know if we have anything else to discuss because this is, Cause this is where we segued into what we still have left. Right. We transitioned into talking Be- about Tom Holland as Peter Parker. As because Spider-Man. I wanted to know where Tony found Tom Holland. Right. That was my question is like, where all of a sudden is Tony like... Hey, Spider-Man, I know that guy. I'm going to go get him. We've seen Ant-Man at this point. Right. We've sort of, besides Black Panther... Who gets an intro in this, Yeah, we sort of get a little bit of backstory where he came from. Tom Holland just shows up at the airport in the middle of the fight. And I'm like, where did he come from? There's not really any sort of preamble that I had noticed previously of him existing and of any bed Tony or anybody knowing that, like, oh, I know about that guy. Yeah. He can come help. Not like Ant-Man, who... Did he get dragged there by Falcon? Did Falcon mention, like, I did, hey, I ran into this guy and got beat up by this little man? I, I, <laughs> we don't see that conversation, so I don't know how it went down, but I assume it was something to that effect. Yeah. yeah. I have some questions about how some of these people showed up to the fight. <laughs> um, yeah, but when we, when we eventually cut over to the old audio, that'll be the first thing, is Meg asking... Um, where the hell where, did he come where from? Where did he come from? <laughs> So my question is yeah. about Spider-Man. Sure. I forgot that he appeared here before his Spider-Man movie came out. Yes. So, like, where did he come from? How did he end up here? Because it seemed like Tony, like, did this take place after Spider-Man? No. 
So he's already here. He has his suit, right? So there's... I think there are three scenes in the movie that have Spider-Man in them. There's the fight scene. Mm -hmm. There's a post-fight scene uh, where I think Tony shows up and tells uh, uh, Peter that he's like, you've won a grant from Stark Industries, yada, yada, yada. You're going to come help work with me and stuff. But there's also a scene before the fight where Tony shows up at the house and he's like, is this you? And it's like Peter with the webs that he's made himself in like a red shirt and blue pants (laughs) and like a a ski mask on jumping around night monkey style. And he's like, I can, you know, this is great. Like he's like praising the, the web stuff and the web spinners spitters and he's like you i don't know basically like you're gonna work with me now something something and aunt may's like oh my god it's tony star <laughs> and he and you know he is as exactly as you said like cannot can't believe what's happening to him yes He's like visibly shaking sort of thing because that's why i couldn't remember is i'm like in his movie basically tony stark's like oh hey so here's your here you can have the suit to do this mm-hmm. stuff Except he keeps screwing it up, so I'm going to take it back. Yes. But then, so then I was like, well, how did he show up here? He has his suit. How did he get invited to this fight in the first place? I don't... Is I Tony think, just so desperate for help that I think he called so. Ant-Man and this I think rando so. high school kid? Yes. Oh, no. Because I, I know... Because when, when they're kind of, like, getting the gang together to go fight each other, he wants... He knows that Hawkeye shows up to grab Scarlet Witch... For Captain America's side. Uh, He wants Vision to help. I don't think we see this happen. But like Vision isn't at the fight. Until the end of it. And. uh, I'm sure he realizes. That he can only trust Black Panther. So far as Winter Soldier is involved. And his real target. Is not Winter Soldier. It's Captain America. So it does not surprise me. That he reaches out to this kid. That kind of knows what he's doing. To a degree. And he's like, here's a nice new suit. It'll protect you in case you get hurt. Um, we'll have you back by dinner time. <laughs> sort of thing. And uh, and he knows that it's somebody who's going to listen to him. Right. Whatever he says. Which is nice to have in a fight. Right. I would I would say. Because even Ant-Man, you're like, oh, what's this guy going to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. He might listen to me, but is he going to be competent? Mm-hmm. Question mark. So, I hear what you're saying about, like, where did he come from? Blah, 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 blah. I mostly just couldn't remember. But, I will say, I really wish, one, he was completely left out of the marketing material. Yes. Two, the first scene of him is showing up at the airport. I think just introducing him that way, stealing Captain America's shield, would have been so good. Yes. Would have been so awesome. And, uh... Maybe then afterward, you you know, you have a scene between Tony and Peter being like, hey, you know, talk about this thing that they did in the past to give you a little more information as to why that happened. But even as is, I like Tom Holland as Spider-Man. He's a good yes. Spider-Man. He's, He's great. He's my favorite. I think. Well, I haven't seen any of the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, so. But I hate Tobey Maguire, so. I always hear it. I think I, I think Tobey Maguire was a good 
Peter Parker, but not a good Spider-Man. And I think Andrew Garfield was a really good Spider-Man, but a not-so-great Peter Parker. And I wouldn't say that Tom Holland's necessarily the best at either of them, but I think, on average, he's much better than the other two have been, yeah. playing both sides of the character. Yeah, I is... really hated the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans. Yeah. Did not like them. Didn't see the Andrew Garfield ones, though. There's not. You're not missing anything. But I like Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. You do like Emma Stone. I do like Emma Stone. Yeah. Do you like Andrew Garfield? We should watch them. Yeah. <laughs> Tolerate me. I don't think you can tolerate the movies, though. Really? They're not good. <sighs> Fine. Fair. Um, what else do we have to talk about in this movie? Uh, <laughs> so much. Um, so we've gotten through Black Panther. We've gotten through Spider-Man. Spider-Man. We sort Ant-Man. of talked about... Yes, Ant-Man. We talked a little bit about the premise of the originally what was happening. Yeah. Uh, so there's some scenes in the movie that I love there's the there's a scene where iron man tony stark goes to take the elevator and i think it's alfrey woodard is like standing in front of the elevator waiting for it mm-hmm. and he, oh, yeah. he shows up and she's like this is my boy he you know died in sokovia because he was on a class vacay or something like that studying abroad and there's the great moment where the camera follows Tony's eyes as he looks down and the button for the elevator hasn't been pressed. Mm. And it's all of a sudden, it's like, she's been waiting for you. She is like, the, her, the point of her being there in that building was to tell you how much you hurt her by what your actions caused. You know, it's an extension of um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver wanting to kill him because his weapons killed their parents and mm-hmm. so on. Uh, you know, it's it's this, it's this basically the the arc that Tony's been going through since the first Iron Man. My shit keeps killing people. I don't want it to, and it keep it, it still is. I cannot right. stop that. And you know, what's he gonna do, right? Mm-hmm. His weapons are still out there in the world. Yeah, there's not. And so I, it, it's part of why he's like, we got to put ourselves in check. I almost think, too, part of it is, like, it almost takes the responsibility off of him a little bit. Like, well, if something happens, they're the ones who told us to come do this. True. We did it as best we could. You know, some other stuff happened, but this is what we were supposed to be doing. Kind of cleans his conscience a little bit. Yeah. Makes him feel better. Because um, guess who's in charge? Thunderbolt Ross. Fucking Thunderbolt. I was waiting. Waiting for Heck it. Heck on that guy. Oh, boy. William Hurt. I think I remember like him showing back up, and I remember being like, "Is that <laughs> that guy again?" And you're I do. Like, you did yeah. say that. Yep. And I was not happy about it. <laughs> of all the people, all the people to bring back, Thunderbolt Ross, let's drag his carcass back out of the Hulk movie. He's not that old. I'm not saying he's old. I'm saying he sucks. Thunderbolt Ross. Look at his stupid face. <laughs> he still looks stupid as a cartoon. Look at that guy. That's not just that, that, that face. That's a face that screams Thunderbolt. Ross. I'm not trying to take my rage out on William Hurt. This isn't his fault. Thunderbolt. Look at, Look at it. He loves so, it. 
So go look go look up Thunderbolt Ross on Wikipedia right now and look at what a dick this guy looks like. He, it's it's an animated general picture. He's got a scowl on his face. He looks like an asshole. <laughs> he's got a he's got a brimmed hat that's shadow putting casting a shadow over his eyes. He's scowling. This looks like he's, some... he's decked out. He's got so many military honors. I can see them on his shirt. This guy, this is a respectable general in the army. He's and a you... douchebag. <laughs> uh, he has a very small role in the movie. His existence was enough to anger me. <laughs> the fact that he even appeared. Like, they couldn't, they couldn't get some other dude to be, what is he? I think he's like... Who's in charge of the military? Not the Secretary of State. Secretary of Defense, is that what he's supposed to be now? Something he like that? He is the Secretary of State. Oh, is he the Secretary yeah, of State? in the movie. Of he's... all the fucking guys. Like, they couldn't they couldn't just get some other dude to be the Secretary of State. They had... They're like, let you know who should come back. Who is a really great character we should just bring on back? Fucking Thunderbolt Ross. Why the hell not? He's just so... Sp- Smarmy. The movie introduces you're, another character. You're just gonna breeze. No, no, no. I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm, there's a connection. There's all a connection. Right. Uh, who's all? Whose name is also Ross? No relation, as far as we're aware. In Martin Freeman, as a member of the CIA. Yeah. Small connection to Thunderbolt. Both he could have been Ross. the Secretary of State. I guess. He but then you don't have a CIA yet. person. Well, we get something else to be the CIA person. Well, <laughs> The William point Hurt? is to get rid of Thunderbolt <laughs> William Ross. Hurt? Could William Hurt have been the CIA person? If he wasn't Thunderbolt Ross, sure, why not? What if Martin Freeman was Thunderbolt Ross? They recast the role. Don Cheadle style. They just don't need Thunderbolt Ross in the first place. What if they didn't call him he, Thunderbolt Ross? First of all... What if that wasn't his name? First of all... He didn't even catch the Hulk. The Hulk destroyed all the shit. He had this vendetta against him. He got away. Because the Hulk's in love with his daughter. Still, he was trying to, like, blow him up the whole time, and he failed. I mean, it's the Hulk. I mean, what but are you going to do? What, what, are what you has do? he done to be like, this guy should be in charge of everything? Well, when you factor in that Hulk, he was, you know, already a general by that point. I'm sure he has many accolades that we don't even know about. He might have won half a dozen wars by this point in his life. Single-handedly. <laughs> by himself. Yes. Okay. Rambo style. Sure. Wheel, dual wielding. They could have gotten Sylvester Stallone guns. to be Secretary of State. Well, he's already in the Guardians movies. Is he? Yeah. What'd he do? He's one of the scavenger people. That's it? So far. I'm sure he'll be in the third one. Well, maybe. They... Maybe. Anyway. Anyway. Asinine. Callback. Unnecessary. Do you think you hate Thunderbolt Ross more or less than I hate the Winter Soldier? Probably more. I think so, too. You were semi-tolerant. At at first. Yes, in the first Captain America, when he was, before he was the Winter Soldier, you were, and he was just sort of a sidekick to Captain America, you were okay with him. Yes. I was never at any point okay with Thunderbolt Ross. Could you at any point ever be okay with him? No. What would it take? deleting the Incredible Hulk movie from my memory bank. So if so so independent of that movie. If that movie did not exist and he just appeared here. Yes. I don't 
I probably would hate probably him be as indifferent. much. I don't think I liked him. He was kind of a douchebag in this movie too, but. Do you like Thunderbolt Ross? Is there some sort of I, redeeming I, quality I that very, you enjoy about him? Very passionately indifferent to <laughs> Thunderbolt <laughs> Ross. I have no feelings about him whatsoever. None. None. Hulk, Captain America, Avengers. No. No feelings about him at all. Besides him being annoying, I think his name just irritates me. I think it does. I absolutely think it does. I really enjoy though saying fucking Thunderbolt. I know. Thunderbolt Let's move Ross. on. Let's move on. Do we have to? You got yes. to talk about the Amia promo for like 15 minutes. That is I want to much... complain about Thunderbolt Ross for like 20 more. <laughs> I'm pretty, I think he has as much screen time as the Ant-Man <laughs> promo does. He appears a couple times. Does he? Whatever like screen twice. time he had. He's is got m- like, he's got like two scenes. More than necessary. Any screen time was unnecessary. Um, so let's move to Daniel Brühl and by association, the Winter Soldier. Oh, okay. They are the catalysts of this whole movie. Winter Soldier blows up the King of Wakanda. Very sad. Um, fun fact. Uh, let me make sure I get this fact correct. Nice segue. Uh, he blows up the king of wakanda very sad fun fact fun fact john connie who plays the king of wakanda and he reprises that role in um black panther was in the lion king the original one or the new one he voices rafiki in the remake but i'm pretty sure he was on pretty sure he did something before that maybe i'm maybe i'm misremembering i could have sworn he was like in the broadway show but i could be wrong i don't know um i think i think he was though but this fact is getting less yeah, fun by the minute. Yeah, this fact got real poor. <laughs> this got real bad. It's about as good as Thunderbolt Ross. Um, I don't know. I, there was... I remember when I knew, found out who he... The, the character... I think... And I, maybe I'm just misremembering now. I remember when I learned he was in this movie and who he was playing. I was like, oh, he's the guy that was X. Something before this. And obviously, The Lion King came out like four years later, so it couldn't have been that. Don't know. Good story. So, anyway. <laughs> you should um, just let me keep talking about Thunderbolt. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> after Winter Soldier blows up the UN assembly, mm-hmm. uh, the movie shifts over to We Gotta Find the Winter Soldier. Uh, both On both sides, Captain America is like, oh no, they're gonna kill him, I gotta protect him. And everybody else is like, oh no, this guy is very, very dangerous. We need to contain him and stop him from hurting more people. Sensible. Makes Uh, sense. Yeah. Uh, And of course, we kind of pick up where we left off in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, with he doesn't really remember everything. He kind of knows things now, but only because he sort of has to. He's like, okay, you've been telling me we were best friends like a dozen times. Maybe we were. But... (laughs) That's not what we're in right now, yes. kind of thing. And 
So, yes? Is this the movie where it starts and Bucky's in some market trying to buy a peach? Mm Mm-hmm. So, as I've mentioned, my previous knowledge of these movies is mostly from BuzzFeed. Yes. And all anybody was like was like, poor Bucky. All he wanted was a peach. So I knew I had something to do with Bucky, and he wanted a peach, and it was just all downhill from there. That was my knowledge of this movie going into it. Yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. He just wants to live his life. Eat some peaches. I guess. Gets wrangled into UN bombings. Sort of. Yeah. That was my understanding of it. That's not that far off the street, <laughs> to be honest. It's not that different. Um, Daniel Brühl uses his cheat codes to unlock the Winter Soldier. His instruction manual. Yeah. And uh, just has him do this thing and that thing and the other thing. And gets Tony and Captain America at each other's throats. And, you know... He, um, he was, he, he himself was Sokovian mm-hmm. and now he's a terrorist and, you know, he is not a superpowered guy. He has zero powers. Which is probably why he figured it was easiest to make the superheroes fight each other. Right. Makes sense. Yes. That aspect of it makes sense. Um, He's, uh, you know, he, being a Sokovian, was impacted by the events of Age of Ultron and is out for revenge. As is everybody in As is everyone, you know. (laughs) Uh, And uh, apparently he's going to, I believe he's going to be in the new Disney Plus series as an antagonist to... um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Disney Plus series. As far as I believe. Because what happens to him in, at the end of this movie? Does he just... I think they arrest him. He, oh, okay. So he, he entices Cap and Tony to fight each other. Mm-hmm. They do with... So, look, I'm not going to say... I'm not taking anything away from Captain America. He's a great fighter. Winter Soldier, also a great fighter. I staunchly believe that the fight between Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and Tony, they absolutely neutralized the hell out of Iron Man's suit to make it feasible for them to fight on even footing. He has lasers. Lasers. He has lasers, and he has a suit. But the only difference, is, I guess, is that Tony, he has these suits, but he's not really trained to fight. I don't, he Which doesn't, is part of what having the suit is helpful for. But like he doesn't sort of need to because he has lasers and bombs and all that stuff. He has right. a hyper-intelligent artificial intelligence in his suit that can learn the fight style of Captain America and counter it within the span of like a minute. Is that a thing he has though? It is. That he uses it in the movie. Oh. He didn't use it very well apparently. I mean, he did, and then he gets, like, he takes the beating. He's like, have you figured out the thing, thing, thing? And they're like, we have. And he's like, uses it against him. <laughs> and then he takes the upper hand. And I understand why in a Captain America movie, Captain America wins. I think that's how it would have to be. I think 
given the circumstances, it really feel, feels to me the same way it does when um, in Infinity War, when they're all on the planet moon with Thanos and they're like, we're so close to defeating him. And then Chris Pratt's like, I'm fucking stupid. And they all lose because he makes one incredibly boneheaded mistake. I feel like... Which, by the way, ruined Chris Pratt's character for oh, me. It, it hurts so much to it's even think worst. about. But I think they do something similar in this where I think the reasoning that I often hear as to why Tony can't beat Captain America in this movie is because... What happens right before they start fighting is he learns that Winter Soldier killed his dad. Mm -hmm. Which, understandably, makes him very upset. And because of that, he doesn't have quite as much focus as he may otherwise have. Right. I acknowledge that that would have affected his fighting style. Would have affected his, maybe, um, concentration to a degree. I still feel like, if you're giving me betting odds against Captain America, Winter Soldier, and Iron Man... I would almost always take Iron Man. I think that's one of the things, like, when you really, like, think on the movies is a little bit of a flaw. Because that was sort of the problem with Captain Marvel going to, like, Endgame. Mm -hmm. Like, Captain Marvel has all these really cool powers. She could probably just handle Thanos all by herself, really. You would think. You would think, but... They have to... They sort of have to push her in the background a little bit, so that way other people can do things. Right. So that's one of the, a little bit of the flaws and with having this many quote-unquote superheroes is you have some people who are actual superheroes, mm -hmm. superhuman abilities and things like that. You have people who are not fighters, like of all the people fighting, probably Ant-Man really has no formal training. No. He just has, he basically had to be taught how to fight by Evangeline Lilly. Yep. He basically just has his suit where he can shrink and you see him punch people yeah kind of do stuff like that do some fighting taekwondo Type moves stuff. with her and then you have people who are military mm. like a captain america or a winter soldier or a falcon who at least have some fighting training right you have black widow who's like a spy but then you have like hulk who just who's like a big muscly scientist yeah but he has super human abilities mm -hmm. tony stark who's basically a regular rich dude right who's got a decked out suit so that's sort of the thing is kind of putting all these people together especially when they're fighting each other yeah in a way that sort of makes it at least believable that like captain america doesn't just basically hold tony down with his like pinky and just bludgeon him with his shield like there's sort of all these different dynamics where you sort of have to even out the playing field amongst everybody somehow well it's interesting because you know, you look at Age of Ultron, there's the scene where Tony has to put on the giant suit so that he can go stop Hulk from rampaging through the city. Mm -hmm. So, in that scene, in that suit, Tony and Hulk were relatively evenly matched. Yes. I don't think... I think inevitably Hulk would have won just because suits wear out, but yeah. Hulk doesn't. Um, but, relatively evenly matched. Then you skip to head to Thor Ragnarok... Thor and the Hulk relatively evenly matched. Yes. Yes. God and a big green guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think if the Grandmaster doesn't interfere, Thor wins. But, again, relatively evenly matched. Yes. So, transitive properties, Iron Man 
and Thor, in theory, would be relatively evenly matched. Thor would win, but it wouldn't be like, I hit you once and you're dead sort of a thing yes. at any rate. And, and so, like, there's all these different circumstances where in Civil War, when they're all fighting at the airport, everyone feels like they're evenly matched from mm-hmm. top to bottom. I, yeah. I never felt like, oh, man, I, Ant-Man just became Giant Man, and now... <laughs> it's just stepping on everyone. <laughs> and, you know, like, it, it, he could do that, but I also, like, no. Spider-Man, by himself, can take down Giant Man. Right. You know? Or even when, like, Vision shows up, and he is easily more powerful than any other character in that area, somehow he still feels like he's not. Which is frustrating. And it's not something I really recognized the first time I saw the movie, but every time I see it afterwards, I'm like, they're all pulling their punches, right? Like, obviously, because they know they're all good guys to a degree, they're like, I'm not trying to hurt you. I just want to stop you from leaving. Right. And so all of the stakes and all the air in that scene kind of gets drained for me the more often I see it, which is unfortunate. And I think... What I wanted in this final scene between uh, Captain America and Winter Soldier and, and Iron Man was for them to kind of be like, oh, we're not pulling our punches anymore. I am actively trying to hurt, at least from Iron Man's standpoint, I'm actively trying to hurt you. And I think if that were the case, he could have. And he doesn't because the movie doesn't want him to, right? If he, if he actually, like, you know, blasts a hole in Captain America's shoulder and he loses an arm, I think that completely changes the way the audience would view those characters. I guess, though, where did Cap get his suits? Like, are they from Tony? His new suits? No, I don't know. I I am under the impression that he knits and sews them himself. I don't think that's accurate. (laughs) (laughs) I don't... I assume he gets the original one from, like... Because the old Winter Soldier outfit was kind of not Iron Man esque, but sort of like you know. Well, he has protective. like the arm, yeah, that he gets from like the Russians yeah. slash Hydra, I guess more so. Yeah, but I know I guess from the Iron Man movies, like Tony always wins the fights, but they're usually pretty close. Like, yeah, he has his armor, which can do fancy stuff, and I think as the movies go on, he sort of like equips them to do fancier, fancier stuff to kind of make up for the fact that like. Again, he's just a rich just dude, a dude. Right. with a fancy suit. Agreed. So, I do think that... I think it's more evenly matched to me, mm-hmm. I think, than it is to you. Right. Two people. Two. One who's, like, Winter Soldier, who's not just regular military trained, but, like, Russian special ops Hydra trained. And yes. It's sort of like a hybrid of... Like, kind of like um, Captain America and Black Widow, almost. Right. I agree. It's sort of what he is. Yep. And then you have Captain America, who has his vibranium shield. Yes. Whatever his outfit's made of. And then he's a little bit more... I would say probably Winter Soldier trained-wise at this point. He's probably higher level trained fighting than he is. Mm-hmm. So... Well, and we see them when we when they fight in the last Captain America movie. They're yeah. basically on even ground. Pretty much. From, as yeah. fighters. Um, which I buy. I yeah. believe. Right. There's nothing about either of those characters that implies to me that one of them is more powerful than the other. The exception being the shield, maybe. 
Yeah, the shield, I guess, for Chris Evans versus the mechanical arm. Arm. And I guess other stuff for Bucky, but... But, yeah. I think the two-on-one aspect sort of helps also. I feel like it's a bit more evenly matched than you think it is. Yes. Just fine. Yeah. So, they fight. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some bruises, some hurt egos. <laughs> and uh, in the midst of all this, as Captain America leaves his shield behind as he defeats Iron Man, we also see Zemo outside preparing to kill himself, having satisfied everything he could, basically. And Black Panther stops him. And he's like, in his infinite wisdom, like, there's so much violence, there's so much hate, we're gonna stop all that. He's like, I hate, he's like, I wanted to kill you because it's your fault my dad's dead, but also, I am an intelligent human being that recognizes, you know, the circumstances that we're in. Which is nice. I like giving him that downbeat moment. Because what happens, they catch... What's his name? Because when do they eventually figure out that basically Winter Soldier did this stuff, but he wasn't exactly operating under his own devices? Um, I think it's in that building. Mm. I think he monologues to Captain America and Tony. I know there's a point where he's basically like, haha, you guys are fighting amongst yourselves. He's explaining it to them and and Black Panther is in the building listening and then he like doesn't get involved in the fight because he's above that. Villains would make out so much better in every movie if they just kept their mouth shut. It's true. Absolutely true. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about in Captain America Civil War? (laughs) We've spent a lot of time on this movie with good reason. No, I don't think so. I think the only other main thing that happens is they sort of Iron Man and Captain America kind of break up, as it were. I think they sort of yes they sort of go about their own ways. They I don't know if they agree to disagree, but they sort of Kinda. like whatever. So it leaves Tony's us... like, "I want to do my thing." Chris Evans like, "Whatever, do whatever you want." And then Bucky ends up going to Wakanda. He does. Yeah, they're gonna. Try to help him out. Try to decode his brain. Yeah. And of course, that is the best place to do it, because there's Shuri. Yes, my girl! Um, I can't believe there's so many more movies between this and Black Panther. There are. There's so many. There's so many. Uh, I'm trying to think. So Captain America is effectively a fugitive at this point. Yeah. And I do remember that he kind of leaves Tony with like a beeper. Like, if you ever need me, like, give me a call or something like that. So, you know, all this fighting, and uh, if you want to text me, you up. Go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, that is the first movie of Phase 3. Second movie that we've been talking about on this episode. How long have we been talking? We're getting close to an hour and a half. Oh, great. So, uh... Making good progress. Let's at least do one more movie. Can right. we do that? It's yeah, Doctor we'll just... Strange? Yeah. I think we can do that. That'll be fine. Doctor Strange. How do you feel about Doctor Strange? Not a fan. Why? He's kind of a dick. And I also... The movie in general was a bit more... I guess not sci-fi. But it didn't really... I felt like it had a different vibe than most of the rest of the movies. That I did not enjoy. Well, I would say it's specifically not sci-fi. It's magic. More fantasy. Yes. Magic-oriented, sure. Um... 
uh, how do you feel about Benedict Cumberbatch? Um, I as like... a person outside of Doctor outside Strange. of this, it's I not don't... a great picture. <laughs> Got the crazy eyes on his Wikipedia page. Got like a seven head. Um, I don't know that I had seen him in much of anything. You didn't watch Bef- any of the Sherlock's? No, before yeah. or after this. Um, I mostly know him as Doctor Strange. Okay. I don't really have strong feelings. He was in 1917. He was. He was fine. Yeah. Um, I like his accent. Yes. I think as a general actor, I enjoy him, but he's not my favorite. No. Not my favorite character. Would you... He's often, especially as as Doctor Strange compared to Tony. You think they're very similar? No. Why? Doctor Strange reminds me more of a Doctor House. Okay. But without a sense of humor. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Tony at least kind of has... He's got a sense of humor. He has a lot he's dealing with. He has some mental health issues, I think. Tony does some Probably. anxiety issues and PTSD issues. But I think overall, genuinely, he's even when he was sort of like drunken party Tony, he liked Pepper. Yep. He liked Happy. There was people that he liked. He wasn't probably the greatest friend or human being. No. But he was okay. Probably just oh, fine. I think one of the big things for me that separates them, and I think you're kind of touching on it too, is Tony, for all of his flaws, still has this... At the end of the day, he like still wants to do the right thing for yes. everyone. Yes, he has a sense of... I guess a sense of humanity. He has... Or a sense of responsibility, I guess. He, despite his personal... Especially the beginning, as he matures throughout the movies, like he wants to help people, I think, mm-hmm. generally speaking. And even though Doctor Strange is a doctor by definition he's supposed to help people he's such a dick he's just a like there's no way to put it he's a fucking asshole at the beginning of the movie like doctor strange as like a human person before he goes through what he goes through in the movie yep he's not a good dude no he's a douchebag he's pretty mean he only takes cases if they're interesting even though he seems to be a very talented doctor yep so he just doesn't really want to help just anybody. He wants to help who he feels like helping. Yes. He's conceited. He's also rich. He has his fancy sports car and his fancy house, which in and of itself is oh fuck, he's fine. Yeah. But yeah, he's rude to his lady friend. Who's Rachel McAdams. Lady. Yeah. Rude to her. Yep. He's just kind of rude to everybody in general. He's very selfish, very self-centered. Everything is about him. He's just not a very likable character. It's true. I think there's a lot of... And I I don't like, generally, characters like this. I'm curious to know... Again, like, neither of us read the comics. I'm curious to know how similar this character is to the comic version. How much they may have changed him to make him less like Tony. Because I think there are a lot of similarities there. Despite the fundamental differences. I think there's some surface level mm-hmm. similarities. Because... It's interesting. I think his journey as a person across the entirety of this movie uh, is basically the journey that Tony takes 
in the first 20 minutes of Iron Man. He goes from, I'm selling weapons to bad guys, to, I don't want to hurt anybody ever again. I want to protect people. And in this, he, obviously that's not the vocation that Doctor Strange is in, but he goes from, all I care about is myself, all I care about is like finding the best case, healing the people that I want to heal, having my fancy sports car. And by the end of the movie, he's a protector of New York. He cares about protecting these people. He's not very personable. No. But he does have their best interest foremost. Right. Though I wonder if it's a question too. Like, I feel like Tony genuinely wants to protect people and help people. Yes. Because he, I don't know, necessarily likes people, but like sort of, you know. Whereas for Doctor Strange, almost feels more like, I know all of this stuff. I read all these books. I studied all these things. I figured it all out because I'm so smart. Mm. Now, that means I'm going to be in charge of this and protect everybody because I know how to do it. Would you I get say... that vibe more than he's just like, you know, I feel like, you know, this is my responsibility now to take care of all these people. Would you say he kind of feels like he's above everybody else sort to a degree? Of, yeah. Like, even, it's crazy and I think one of the reasons I like the scenes that he shares with Tilda Swinton so much is because she absolutely puts him in his place, yeah. which is great. Mm -hmm. But even, but there are still scenes with the two of them where we know that she is far more powerful, far more intelligent, far more knowing than he is. And yet he's the one talking down to her, yes. you know? And it's like that pompous yes. jerkiness that he has that is really... Really unappealing. Yeah. I think most people that know me know that I do not do well with that kind of person. No. That is like, if there's one thing I do not like about people, I don't like people who think they're better than everybody else or that they're self-absorbed. They think everything is about them. As a general human characteristic, I do not like those type of people. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing that Doctor Strange has going against it is that he's very much one of those people so like basically from the get-go i'm like i don't like this guy yeah um all right so we have dr strange yes uh we mentioned tilda swinton yep she is the bald ancient <laughs> one yes who instructs steven dr strange in all his magical dealings i must say she baldness suits her she has very it, nice it does. facial cranial structure yeah i don't know if that's enhanced at all yeah i don't know but it looks good she pulls it off yeah she's sort of ageless yeah she's that very way. i guess uh kind of like what was it a little bit asexual i guess androgynous yeah androgynous yep. yes that's the yep. word i want yes um which i think for this character kind of suits suits it suits her i enjoyed her she's mm -hmm. fine i like that the movie eventually puts her in this kind of gray area you know it, it kind of becomes a question i think it even leaves it up to say the viewer as to like what whether or not what she's doing is a good thing or a bad thing and how she's doing it if she's using nefarious means or not um you know which is you know steven there's dr strange doesn't really support her he's not really on her side when like the truth comes out but he's not like burn her, mm -hmm. you know. Whereas another character, Chwedel Ejiofor, yes, 
as uh, Mordo burn the witch. He's very black and white. Yes. You're either good or you're not, and there's not really any middle ground. No. Uh, he's initially against training Doctor Strange uh, for many of the reasons we've already stated. Yes. You're good or you're bad, and this guy's kind of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, on the other hand, up until the truth comes out about Tilda Swinton, he's oblivious to it. Yeah. As far as he's aware, she is good. Yep. So, it gives us, not only does he kind of have this this very interesting um, moral compass, but he's also not the best judge, right? You know, like, <laughs> I know. he's clearly, once I know you're bad, you're bad. Yeah. But if I don't know you're bad... You're good. You know, maybe he, you know, he doesn't have the best judgment. He needs to see the actions. He needs to know the facts. Yes. And I think that can lead to very problematic areas. You know, if he doesn't have the full story, there are bad things that he could do under that yes. direction. Which is interesting. I like that he's a very interesting character mm -hmm. who is kind of set up to be a future villain, I yeah, think. Yeah, he sort of wanders off at the end, not in the best of terms. No. No. Uh, also, over in the magic area, we have Benedict Wong. Yes! Wong's great. I love him so Wong's much. Wong's so good. He's so good. Listening to uh, Beyonce. That... That was probably one of my favorite scenes of, like, all of the movies. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's so fun. He's just jamming out, read his book. Yep. Yep, Ben to Cumberbatch running around behind him, doing stuff he's not supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like the sort of, um, the recurring thing of trying to get him to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually we finally get that moment at the end. Yes. Which is nice. So good. Yes. I love, he's probably my favorite part of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh... We also have the villain of the movie, Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. You like Mads Mikkelsen? Um, no, actually. No? But I did like him a lot in this movie. Why don't you generally like him? He's terrifying looking. Look at him. Oh, he's so good, though. Well, like I said, he's good in the movie. But I, don't, I, don't... I, don't, I don't find him to be terrifying looking. He has some of the most defined lips... I think I've ever seen on a human. He creeps me out. They're very pointy. Yeah, I guess so. A little bit. He's he's Danish. Good for him. Mm -hmm. You ever watch? You I guess you didn't watch Hannibal. Do you think I would watch Hannibal? I don't. No, I did not. He's really good in it. Yeah, wasn't fond of him in the commercials. Mm. He's very. I I think I like him better when he's in a more kind of suave role. But I do like him in this. I think he... As a human being, he has he makes, a gravitas. He makes me uncomfortable. More or less uncomfortable than, say, Steve Buscemi. More. More? Yeah. Interesting. Because Steve Buscemi seems kind of... He's got the he seems, eyes. Yeah, he's got the scary eyes. <laughs> and he plays kind of scary characters. But he's, he seems kind of fun. Okay. Mads Mikkelsen does not seem fun to me. Perhaps. Perhaps. He reminds me of, like, he actually would maybe be Hannibal Lecter. He gives me those creepy vibes. Yeah. I absolutely believe he's Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Could be. I'm not into that. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. He was a very good bad guy in this movie, though. Yes. And he's kind of like a... I mean, in this movie, he was more so a stepping stone bad guy for the ultimate 
Dormammu at the end. Right, but he's sort of more of the main. He's the one we got to see. Bad guy, yes, I guess. he's the one we got to see throughout the yeah. film and do all the. Dormammu things. kind of just showed up at the end. He was referred to, but in the movie itself, he wasn't really a huge. Yes. Character, I guess. You know who played Dormammu? No. Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, exciting. Yeah, very interesting. I was like a CGI blob. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just Benedict Cumberbatch. That's what he really looks like. You take off the mask. Um, no, I like I like Mads Mikkelsen. I think he kind of also falls into the category of uh, Marvel villains who don't have quite enough, quite enough interesting. See, I thought he was characteristics more interesting than a lot of the other ones. For what? Why? I think because. Well, like, I think I've said before that the Iron Man, a lot of the, like, military government right. antagonists, Don't there's do a bunch of those, you. not interesting. There's a bunch of just, like, rando bad guys who work at the technology companies. Yes. There's, like, a bunch of those. I feel like there's a big lump of bad guys who are sort of that dynamic, that kind of character. There's an egregious amount of them. Whereas you get someone that's more like a Loki Mm-hmm. more sort of similar i think to the other characters as a bad guy whereas i think that's kind of what because what is mad's character's name again Cassilius. Cassilius. he's a bit more like like a doctor strange like he's more like the characters mm-hmm. in the movie which i feel like makes him more interesting he's basically someone who studied the same thing that doctor strange is trying to study that the Ancient One studies, that everybody else studies, and has sort of mastered it and gone to the bad side. Mm-hmm. And I think the I think the fighting scenes and some of the, with the time, this is kind of like the first movie you get with the time warping and like oh, the yeah. strange dimensions, sort of which when I first... Inception style buildings folding over. Yeah, and, which when I yeah. first watched the movie, I didn't know how i felt about it but i think i kind of appreciate it more now thinking back on it like the first scene where tilda swinton's character the ancient one is like running on the running after him and then all of a sudden like the perspective shifts and the building goes sideways and she's Mm -hmm. running up the side of the building i'm like what is happening (laughs) but yes it's really that stuff's kind of cool now thinking more back on it reflecting on it and i think that those powers and that sort of dynamic make his character much more interesting and threatening Yes. than just some generic, like, I'm a bad guy in a suit who wants to take this technology and do bad stuff with it instead of good stuff. Well, it's very, it's interesting because, you know, you think of all these other villains, like, you know, all the villains in the Iron Man movies and, you know, Zemo and, and so on. They're because their powers are so clearly and easily defined there aren't a lot of options for them you know it's kind of like okay you got a bad guy with a gun his options are to shoot the gun and it's just a matter of what he's shooting you know it's very simplistic in that way whereas you know mads mickelson caecilius has magic there is effectively as far as we're aware not really any limitation to what he could do he can turn the earth sideways he can disappear and appear somewhere else he can xyz 
A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, O, J, K. You know, there's so many options, and so it allows... I don't know if they really explored enough variety in that regard outside of some of, like, the building stuff, which is... I love that sequence with the, the ancient one, but the possibilities, I think, are very wide, and I, I really like that. Yes. Um, but, and I, I think... More to that, you know, he is, he is, he has a, a an end game. He has a goal, which is uh, counter to the ancient one, who's like, all right, there's all these bad things, and uh, maybe I use them when I want to, but also uh, we want to keep them out of the world because yes. they're bad things. And Caecilius, very counter to Mordo, does not see things as black and white. He sees things in a very wide scale of gray. And I think he sees things like Dormammu and, and presumably other beings of his type and other elements of his type as maybe they could help us, you know? Like, why Why does everything have to be, if it's a little bit bad, it's all the way bad. And he's right to a degree, yeah. you know, which is a good thing to have in a villain, that they're right to a degree. <laughs> yes. And so that makes him a little more interesting as well. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah. What did you think of Dormammu? It's kind of underwhelming. Yeah, because like I said, like, he's sort of the big bad guy in the... To the extent that he's this, like, big, super powerful, like, kind of like supreme alien being. I don't even really know what he is. He... I can try to figure that out. He is an entity. Um, what is this picture? I don't know. That's much, <laughs> he, much less frightening looking. His species is called Faltine, oh, supposedly. By the, whenever I'm having these reactions to things, it's because Ryan's <laughs> looking them up on Wikipedia on his computer, and I'm seeing the pictures. Yes. Where uh, Dormammu in this is just some sort of generic looking black entity with fire coming out of his head <laughs> yep not really cool looking at all um established as a, as the ruler of an alternate dimension later described as the god tyrant of its denizens he is a perennial foe of dr strange having spanned many many decades uh in the comics something worse than a demon it is unknown exactly how ancient he is and he inhabits a completely separate realm, um, not even that defies the laws of physics. Yeah, because in the movie, he's just sort of the CGI blob thing. Yes. I don't really remember what he the, looks like. The dark dimension. Yeah. So, like, he as a entity, as a character, is not particularly... Yeah, it's just sort there. of big... It's like a rippling. He looks like face. some sort of almost like stone giant. Yeah. Make it out of like sort of stone and lava. I guess he has eyes, yep. purple, glowy purple eyes. eyes. He looks like he would almost be like a giant stone dragon mm -hmm. out in space. I guess him as a character is sort of underwhelming because they mention him, but then really he's on screen for. Is he even on screen for like five minutes? About, maybe. Yeah, Doctor Strange sort of gets shipped out there to no man's land to deal with him. 
And there's the... I did like the concept of Doctor Strange sort of manipulating time to keep going back and going back and going back. And basically he just keeps, what, dying yeah. over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Making Dormammu just keep doing it over and over and over and over until Dormammu basically gets sick of it and is like, fine. <laughs> Do whatever you need. I'm out. Whatever. This He annoys him until leaving. Yeah. Basically. Which is kind of... It's smart... I agree. On the one hand, but sort of underwhelming. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm just going to irritate you until you get sick of me and trying to kill me. Mm-hmm. And you just decide, you just give up. Basically, like, you can go back to Earth. I'm going to stay here. I'm sick of your shit. Whatever you win. Which is frustrating uh, for other reason, because Dormammu, and I don't know how often they bring up his name throughout the uh, movie prior to his appearance, but like, He's something to be feared. Like, this is a Thanos-level, more powerful than Thanos-level villain. Like, he's described as, on the Wikipedia page, he's described as Doctor Strange's most terrible foe, as uh, a threat to the life of the universe itself, someone that at full power no one could stand against. He is composed of mystical energy that he can use to achieve almost any effect he desires including energy projection matter manipulation resizing teleportation possession necromancy bestowing of power creating demon lords <laughs> and uh you know he's um he even says that he's been displayed approaching a universal or even multiversal scale of influence and i think that's a thing is that he can do all this stuff but in the movie he doesn't really do anything you don't see him do anything except sort of kill dr strange yeah he's a fly and he just flicks him away and kills him yeah it's not even like he does anything exciting really when he kills him no so compared to like mad mickelson's character who's sort of you know in a lot of the movie doing all this stuff right as a person and then like dormammu who's just the cgi'd blob right who just is like i said in the movie for probably five minutes just being all like you're dead you're dead you're dead you're dead you're dead over and over is not really a great use of the character no but on the other hand he's still alive he's still around so you know maybe he makes another appearance in the future he's certainly powerful enough to uh See, if they want Captain Marvel to go fight somebody, yeah, she should fight. go fight Dormammu. <laughs> um, if you want, you know, he could. He already has a revenge motivation like every other villain, so... Uh, yeah. Check. This freaking guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's... I, again, I, I agree. I like the annoyance strategy as a strategy yeah but it's not very cinematic right yes it's kind of played more for a punchline than a climax of the film like it totally makes sense it's very smart but yeah it's not really something you can portray on screen no that well Mm -mm. especially compared to the other elements of the movie the time warping and like the building twisting and stuff like that it's underwhelming i remember when the scene came up on the tv too it looks like a lot of these movies look sort of like a drug trip kind yes. of yeah especially like this part of it 
mm-hmm. just seemed very like I don't know I don't even know how to describe it but um yeah uh which kind of ties into another element of it this movie introduces us to the time stone yeah that ends up being important later yes the <laughs> eye of Agamotto he like does the little hand thingy and yeah, it opens up and it's mm-hmm. the time stone which I'm pretty sure the movie is like don't use this you can destroy the very fabric of time itself and he's like I'm gonna use it and read more books and because that was kind of <laughs> I think was didn't Mads character sort of like figure that out and that's partly why he can do some of the stuff he does mm-hmm. and also I think when Wong is busy listening to Beyonce he's very clear like you can't read this book Right. This is not for you. This is the restricted section. This is like the dark arts. Yeah. Yes. So meanwhile, he's jamming out to all the single ladies and Benda Cumberbatch is running around behind him reading all the books he's not supposed to be reading. Pretty much. Yeah. So there's one thing we haven't talked about in this movie. And there's a couple things. Well, there's one thing I'm thinking of that we haven't talked about in this movie. And part of the reason is because the movie doesn't spend a lot of time on her either, unfortunately, which is Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams, who is a fucking queen. She's amazing. And is completely useless in this movie. Absolutely. Hate her character. Her usefulness is that when Doctor Strange gets hurt, Mm -hmm. he magics himself into the hospital and asks her to fix him while he goes and fights another guy with his astral self. Yeah. Uh, leaving her all by herself to fix him without anybody else's help because they have to do this covertly and he's not paying anything for the service. Yes. Also, <laughs> before any of this happens, before he's Doctor Strange and goes off mm-hmm. on his little journey, yep. he they're dating. Well, are, are they? they? I think they're... They have a history of yeah. doing the sex together, but they're kind of not that anymore. Yeah. But, like, before he gets hurt, they're, you know, they work together. Yeah. So, again, she's, like, a nurse or a doctor or whatever, whatever hospital he works at. I, I kind of interpret it as, as like, a... Um, is she another surgeon? Or, or I was going to say, she is... It's like if Tony and Pepper didn't still have feelings for each other mm-hmm. but still had to interact on a daily basis yes that is kind of how this relationship is yeah so she's at the hospital whatever mm-hmm. and then so what starts this whole thing that's the other thing we haven't talked about sure is dr strange again we talked about he's kind of a self-absorbed jerk off yeah he's a rich doctor this rich fancy house rich fancy car he does what he wants he basically he's driving his fancy sports car in the rain isn't he is that basically what happens he gets to a car accident yes Yes. basically and mangles his hands his magical surgeon hands so part of it is when he's i guess he's not really recovering that's right that's right yeah so his hands are jacked up he can't do his surgery anymore he's sort of stuck in his house which makes him more pissed off and more miserable and meanwhile rachel mcadams is like trying to take care of him and he's just being an absolute douchebag dickbag yeah to her the whole time just miserable and angry and taking out on her and just being a jerk which basically ends up being the catalyst of what causes him to go find the ancient one and start studying all this stuff but the movie starts with her 
trying to, again, deal with this enigmatic, magical man who's a dick. And then he sh- disappears after being rude. I think, mm-hmm. actually, she storms out. She basically gets sick of him. He's like, whatever. Yeah. If you want to be miserable, be miserable by yourself. Like, I can't help you. Leaves. And then he just reappears out of nowhere at the hospital. He's like, oh, hey. Can you help me, please? And she's like, okay, sure. I'm a good person. Yes. You know. Since she actually is a good person, takes her oath of doctoring seriously, she's like, all right, fine. Yeah. Rachel McAdams is so good, and she's just so wasted here. She's just a very generic, nothing useful character. Do you like her more or less than Natalie Portman in the Marvel movies? I always think she's less useful than Natalie Portman. Interesting. Do you think... I haven't looked, as I know the next Doctor Strange is well into production at this point. Do you think she should be in the next movie? I, I don't think know she what... probably will be, but I don't know what she's gonna do. I don't I don't know what else they can There's not really anything useful for her to do. I mean she's still just a surgeon or nurse at this hospital. Like what is she unless she comes back to hang out with him, which I feel like she could probably find something better to do with her time. I don't know. But I don't know. So uh... there's that, which is yeah stupid yes especially it's kind of frustrating too after you get like some of the other female characters like you get the evangeline lily who's much feistier yep much more useful you get the you got black um, widow you have gamora gamora at this point point. yep nebula i guess you want to call her another one of the characters yes so there's been progress from when the movies have started with the peggy yeah, with the casting of the female yep. characters and sort of what they do, and she's just very much like a early pepper to me. Yeah. Just not. She's there. She, like, she has a job. She has, like, kind of something she does, but she's not, I guess, not important. She doesn't have an important role to the plot of the movie. She's not really. She's very much a regression for the quote-unquote love interest role of yeah. these movies, mm-hmm. which in and of itself is an issue, but... To not even give her any real things to do besides, oh, I fix the hero when he's hurt. Yeah. Try to fawn over this jerk who doesn't really deserve to have anybody fawn over him. Yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. Yeah. And what it sort if... of goes along with the selfish Doctor Strange thing is that he basically gets himself into a car accident, <laughs> smashes up his hands, uh-huh. and then is mad about it. Yep. And is frustrated that he can't, he's not some awesome doctor anymore, since that's his thing. Which is why he ends up going to, I guess, the, where the Ancient One studies. Right, to get little, use of his hands. Yeah. Because he meets, And is also uh, very adamant and douchebaggy about them letting him in to the first, in the first place, to try and figure out. Because he meets another character who's playing basketball, who was in an accident and got fixed. Um... Like, it's a decently known actor. Benjamin Bratt. Yes. 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 So he hears about this guy who was paralyzed, I think, in an Paraplegic. accident. Paraplegic, yep. And now all of a sudden he's playing pickup basketball at the <laughs> park. Yep. And he's like, oh yeah, they, I went to this place and got healed up and 
it's magical. It's interesting. I would love to know how Benjamin Bratt ended up. I would love to see his story. Right. From a like, so he went there after exhausting all their options. Mm-hmm. Uh, he trained, mm-hmm. presumably, yeah. long enough to the to where he could utilize his whole body. Mm-hmm. But I assume that that requires constant like magic to keep up, right? It's not like right. a, I did a magic, I fixed myself. Right. So, but then, and then he just eventually, he's like, okay, I came for what I got and I'm going to leave. Because as we see, when Stephen Strange goes over there, like, if he gets the same treatment that Benjamin Bratt did, or maybe even worse, because he's Benjamin Bratt, maybe not a dick. Um, like, the the world that, that that experience opens you up to is enormous. Right. And apparently he was just like, nah, I'm good with my body. Like, that's all I care about. Yeah. We really know too much about him. No. But yeah, he just mostly seems like... Though also, like... Then it's like, do you, does he know about all the other stuff? Or does he just think he did some sort of something to make himself not paralyzed? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And two, I, I, like you said, I don't know if it's some sort of constant, like, daily... Meditation. Or what, because all... I think isn't the end of the movie. He's killed. I don't think he's killed, but isn't his magic taken away? Oh, that's right, you're right. He, he basically collapses because he goes back to that's being right. paralyzed. That's right. Thanks to, is it... Mordo. Yeah. Mordo. He sort of goes there and is like, you know what... You don't get to have this anymore. Yes. He's like, you are not using this correctly. You have this great power and you are selfish. Yeah. You're going to take your legs back. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, pretty, pretty evil. Yeah. Pretty evil. There's a lot of bad people in this movie. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> not a lot of like. A lot of jerks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else yeah. you want to say about Doctor Strange? Mm, no, I think we went through most of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, that said, um, we're about two hours in. Is this is this the stopping point of this episode? I think so. Yeah. Because the next movie is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I'm sure we'll have plenty to say about that. Yeah. Followed by Spider-Man getting his own movie. Yeah. I think the further we get into these, I think the... The longer it's going to take. The longer it's going to take, I think because I think the story sort of starts meshing together more the stakes Mm -hmm. get a little higher the movies i think i think the early the later movies quality wise and story wise has a bit more at least for me interest than some of the early ones there's a little more to talk about yeah so we get thor ragnarok black panther there's some good stuff infinity war end game captain marvel a lot of good stuff lots of good stuff lots of good stuff to still talk about so, uh, we did six movies in the first episode <laughs> in two hours. Yeah. We did five movies in about an hour 45 uh, in the second episode. Mm-hmm. That didn't include our opening preamble that was in the <laughs> original episode. Right. Three movies in two hours. Yep. Captain America Civil War was just... There was a lot. It was so long. Yeah. But also, I think we're giving I think it was more, more attention to yeah like even ant-man got probably got more attention than like iron man 3 and thor the dark world i think that was reason with for for good reason yeah more so to, more to discuss uh i guess that's it for part three <laughs> and at this rate we're going to be looking at six parts just to get through the movies yeah yeah because we still have next up is guardians of the galaxy 2 
Spider-Man Homecoming, so we haven't even gotten to Spider-Man's first independent movie yet. No. Thor Ragnarok. We have Black Panther. We still have Infinity War, which... That's a lot. Here's how I see it going. I think the next episode, if we're going to stick to about two hours at a time, is probably going to be Guardians 2, Spider-Man, and Thor. Yep. Time Movie after that, or the episode after that, might just be Black Panther and Infinity War. Yeah, like I could talk about each of those for There's going to be so much to talk about both of those. Yeah. Then we'll probably be able to do Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, and I almost want to say we should do Far From Home. I was just going to say that. We should do the Spider-Man movie. (laughs) Like, Endgame should be... And it's probably going to be its own thing. Yeah. It's that big. Yeah. It does suck that we would be talking about post-Endgame things before Endgame, but I... Spider-Man has, like, it ties up a couple loose ends, but it's kind of its kind own, of its own thing. thing. I And I don't want to... I feel like it's going to be a letdown to go from Endgame to, that. to Spider-Man. And if Endgame and Spider-Man are in the same episode, it's going to be, like, two and a half hours of Endgame. And then be like, so Spider-Man happened. And then Spider-Man happened. That was happened. fine. Night, night monkey. <laughs> yeah. Night monkey. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's... I, I agree one, with your assessment. two, three, four episodes at that rate uh, to go to finish out the rest of the films. So that'll give us seven parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we will have a part eight where yep. we would discuss rankings. our own rankings yep. on a more specific out of 100 scale yep. as well as assuming it fits into that episode... Um, the future what is to come I feel like that's going to be a separate episode we'll see we'll see we'll see what I don't know I don't think it's going to take us two hours to rank our movies but probably arguing about them will take that long I don't think that's true either don't you maybe we'll see see. I I spent about 20 minutes just complaining about Thunderbolt Ross you don't think I can discuss how your ranking is wrong for two hours because I put my Thunderbolt Ross movies too high probably probably yeah Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. we'll see <laughs> um so that said thank you for listening to today's episode part three of an in indefinite number of parts <laughs> the never ending our, our podcasts are never ending just like the mcu is never ending because i'm like looking at the calendar i was gonna say when is black two, widow coming out three oh man four five six seven uh part eight releasing one a week would be released March 9th <laughs> and Black Widow that's around then isn't there comes out May 1st we have plenty oh time. is it May 1st yeah it's not why did I think it was coming out in March because that's when Captain Marvel came out last year oh yeah they didn't do a movie in that slot this time oh yeah so yeah we've got some time we okay. have they only do two movies this year so disappointing Black Widow and the Eternals both directed by women yeah so yeah (laughs) we you know it's it's a lot uh thank you for sticking with us (laughs) for as long as you have it does mean a lot um i also have to thank brian (gasps) bb bb as our most charitable patreon subscriber he gets thanks on every episode Yes. And uh, well well deserves all of it. Love you, you, baby. If you would like to become a patron subscriber, you can head over to patreon.com slash circle of film, where for as little as eight cents an episode, you can get early access to all of the episodes that come out early, including this one and presumably all of the other Marvel movies we <laughs> episodes we do. Because uh, unlike the episodes I record by myself, 
These we record when we have we both have the time, which generally happens much earlier than the episode is released. Yes. Uh, for reference, this episode was recorded January 24th. It will not be released until February 3rd. Yes. So think of all that extra time you could have been listening to this episode. Yeah. And as we go along, it's probably going to be coming out earlier and earlier <laughs> because as a tax accountant, I'm going to be busier and busier. Yes. So... We have to try to get it out as fast as possible. Yes. So we don't inhibit your sleep and work. It's going to be getting to the point where I'm going to come home from work, drink wine, and go to bed. So yeah. I look forward to it. Yes, exciting for you. Um, if you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, tell somebody about it, or just listen. Keep listening. That is the most, the best thing you can do. If you'd like to find me, I am on Twitter, at Circle of Film. I'm on Twitter, at Algoferos, A-L-G-O-F-E-R-Z-O. Nope. No? F-E-R-O-Z. Yeah. No, <laughs> Did you just misspell your... I might have, yeah. A-L-G-O-F-E-R-Z-O. Yeah. That's... Yeah, that's the wrong spelling. Again. You just... Yeah. I thought you were... That wasn't on purpose? No. <laughs> No, it wasn't. Algo Feroz, A-L-G-O-F-E-R-O-Z, is That's... where you can find Meg on yeah. Twitter. I'm just going to let Ryan spell it from now on. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of NASCAR race balls, which kind of start this weekend, right? Not NASCAR, but Zoomies start. Well. The Rolex 24 hours at Daytona. Cars racing in a track. Yeah. I lumped them all together. The unofficial start of Zoomy season. Yes. Although I guess that's long gone by the time you're hearing this if you're not a patron subscriber. Yeah, because when is this coming out? The 3rd of February. So two weekends from now will be the upcoming weekend. It will be pre-Daytona 500. Okay. Yeah. Daytona 500. Sort of the off week. The Mm. weekend between Zoomy happenings. Super Bowl. Oh, that's right. Who's winning? I hope the Chiefs win. Who's so. winning, though? Who actually wins the Super Bowl? We the, are in the, the future. The Chiefs. What's the I score? The Chiefs. Oh. Hmm. Let's see. Let's... Forty-one. There's not going to be any defense in this game, I think. Uh, why is forty-one? Forty-one to... Thirty-one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll come back. We'll revisit this mm-hmm. in the future. See how uh, accurate you are. Yeah. Yeah. If you listen to this the day after the Super Bowl, I might look foolish. You. Who do you think's gonna win? I think if I have to predict it. You have to predict it. I also think the Chiefs are gonna win. Okay. But I think it's gonna be thirty. I'm trying to think. Do the math. Thirty-three. That doesn't make sense. 30, <laughs> 34 touchdowns, field goals. That would be four touchdowns, two field goals. Yeah, I don't like that. But it also be a field goal. 34. We're going to stick with 34 and go up against... Uh, They're playing San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Gucci Grop and Richard Sherman. And uh, Kittle. Yeah. 
your guy Kittle. Emmanuel Sanders used to play for the, the two, Steelers. Two best tight ends in the game against each other in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Arguably. Arguably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm gonna say 34 to 20. Nine. Interesting. Okay. Yes. I think it'll be a good game. Yes. I think it'll be interesting to see the San Francisco defense. Richard Sherman, obviously. Did they play good. the Chiefs during the season? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I don't remember. I don't, I don't think so, though. I'm sure they would have mentioned I, th- I think I it would have been like a bigger I deal. Heard of it yeah, now, that, yeah, that makes sense. Did. Okay, we predicted the Super Bowl yeah. a week and a half in advance. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you'll be hearing our predictions after it airs yeah well you know you'll you'll know whether or not we were geniuses or idiots you can make fun of us on twitter and discord with our subpar predictions depending how it turns out yeah if you like to email the show uh those very thoughts you can email circleoffilm at gmail.com you can also find me on letterboxd at circleoffilm uh and see all the reviews i give to all the movies i see i don't have a letterbox and if i did i couldn't spell it anyway so it's fine (laughs) (laughs) um and finally if you'd like to find more episodes of the show uh you can it's on itunes it's on stitcher it's a lot of places where podcasts can be found and it's also on the website circlefilm.com you can find all the old episodes there including a bunch of other things as well thank you for listening it does mean a lot thank you and as always have a week thank you and as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, au revoir, I'll be the same. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.